Today we continue our study from the Old Testament. And in a sense, it is a refresher course because we are looking at stories and events with which we are familiar, but that are important to our faith. We began by looking at the story of creation and then the first marriage, original sin. Last week, Noah and the ark. I might, should have preached that today, but I did it last week. And today we are looking at Joseph the dreamer. Now, in a little bit, we're going to look at Joseph's dream, but I want you to remember that he was 17 years old when he received this dream from God. I hope all of you are dreamers. No matter your circumstance, no matter your age, I hope all of you are dreamers. John Maxwell wrote, A dream without a positive attitude produces a daydreamer. A positive attitude without a dream produces a pleasant person who can't progress. A dream together with a positive attitude produces a person with unlimited possibilities and potential. One of the most powerful forces in the world, one of the most powerful forces in your life is a dream. It was shortly after Disney World was completed that some of the staff members were together and they were talking. One of them said, isn't it too bad that Walt Disney didn't live to see this? Mike Vance, who was the creative director of Disney Studios at that time, said he did see it. That's why it's here. Charles Lindbergh wrote, We actually live today in our dreams of yesterday, and living in these dreams, we dream again. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 1, as we see this dream of Joseph. Now, Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. And his brothers saw all their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered together and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? 
And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Dreams are significant. They are important. Why? Why are your dreams so important? Why are they so significant? Well, first of all, because they provide guidance for our lives. You see, a dream is, in a sense, like a GPS that guides our lives. For instance, your educational dreams are going to determine, in all likelihood, whether you are going to continue the pursuit of education or if you are going to stop short. I just completed recently the book Outliers that chronicles in part the life of Bill Gates as he was a teenager and his quest for knowledge, his desire to know everything that he could know about the computer. There are other people who are listed there, but the thing that caught my attention is that he was guided by his dream. There was that dream inside him. There was that dream inside those people that guided their lives. You see, our dreams guide us educationally. They, they also guide us professionally. My dream some years ago was to manage a television station, and I pursued that dream until the Lord changed my dream. But whatever your dream is... Your professional dream is important because it is going to guide you in the days to come. Spiritually, your dreams are important because they are going to affect the kind of Christian you will be. We were singing a little earlier, Refiner's Fire, and as I was, I was enjoying that and thinking of that and so forth, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Is that your dream for your Christian life? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be holy. Do we just sing the song, or is that the desire of your life? Is that the dream of your life? Because you see, folks, whatever it is that you dream guides you. And if you want to be more like Jesus, if that is truly the dream of your life, then that is going to guide you. So your dreams are important because they give us guidance. They are important because they provide motivation when we want to quit. Oftentimes it is our dream that keeps us going. When the times get tough and people tell us we can't continue, it is the dream that is in our heart that keeps us going. And it's important that those dreams are centered in God. Why is that? Well, because God is omniscient when our understanding is incomplete. You see, I, I don't think that Joseph really understood all that his dream meant, not at that time. He was 17 years old, and he had this dream, and he is relating the dream to his brothers and to his father. Did he totally understand what all that meant? I don't think so. But God knew because God is omniscient. When the Lord spoke to Jeremiah about being his prophet, about being his spokesman, did Jeremiah totally understand all that God was saying to him? I don't think so. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I knew you. And now for your future, I've appointed you as a prophet. Did Jeremiah understand that? No. 
In fact, Jeremiah said, Lord, I don't think I can do this because I'm too young, because I'm too inexperienced. But God is omniscient and God knew, even though Jeremiah didn't fully understand. You may not understand the dream that is bubbling in your heart. A seed that is planted in you, some dream. And maybe no one else knows about it, but you know that God has put that dream in your heart. And you don't fully understand it, that's okay, because God is omniscient when we don't fully understand. And then God is omnipotent when our power is inadequate. I look at the story of Joseph, and you know the story, and so this is a reminder to you, how his brother sold him into slavery, and then he was sold to Potiphar, and he became a, a servant of Potiphar, and then he was thrown into prison again, and so forth. There were those times in his life when he felt absolutely powerless. He had this dream. Everyone is going to bow down to me. I'm going to be the leader. But now then he is powerless. And that's all right, because God is omnipotent. You may feel powerless concerning the dream that's in your heart. If God has put a dream in your heart, and even though you feel powerless, I can't do this. I, I'm inadequate for this. I'm not going to be able to do this. I want you to understand that God is omnipotent. He has all power, and he can accomplish what he has placed in your heart. It's important that your dreams are centered in God because God is omnipresent when our lives are isolated. And there were times in Joseph's life when he was isolated, when he was in the pit put there by his brothers. He was isolated. When he was in prison, he was isolated, but he was never alone because God was with him. When you feel isolated, when you feel all alone, remember God is with you. He has promised never to leave you. And so when we feel that we are isolated, when we feel that we are cut off, remember that God is omnipresent. And my friend, He is with you. He is with you this day. Hudson Taylor wrote, It does not matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you nearer his heart. Dreams are important. They are significant. Why? Because they guide us and they motivate us. God puts the dream in your heart that you might be guided by the Spirit. He puts the dream in your heart that you might be motivated to continue even when you want to quit. Dreams will be scrutinized and criticized. I had read the story about a minister who was writing a, to a minister friend of his, and he sealed the envelope, and then on the envelope he wrote, uh, Be of good cheer. He received the envelope back, and the postal department had stamped on there, contrary to postal regulations. Well, there are always those people who hear about your, uh, your dreams, and they stamp on there, uh, contrary to regulations, or there's always those people who want to pour cold water on your dreams. Sometimes it's family, 
And it was with Joseph. You'll see there in verse number 8. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us, or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse number 10, he related it to his father and to his brothers. His father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? Sometimes it's family. That pours cold water on our dreams. Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. And your family might reject your dreams. You know what I've discovered? Is that when the dream that God has placed in your heart is not predictable by the family, sometimes they don't understand and they want to pour a bucket of water on them. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's friends. I told you before when I was pastoring the first little church that I was pastoring and and it was surrounded by dead ends. You couldn't get there from anywhere. I mean, it was just a, a little church, and and uh, there's a dead end here, there's a dead end here, and there's a dead end there. And, and, but, now, boy, I had a dream. And uh, I remember uh, being with uh, John Bassanio, who's a friend of mine, and and uh, an evangelist who was with us said, What kind of potential does your church have? And I was fixing to tell him. I was going to say, Man, it has all kinds of potential, when John said it doesn't have any. Well, there are those friends sometimes who really don't understand our dream, and they pour cold water on our dream. Sometimes it's our enemies who do so. The Bible tells a story about Nehemiah who wanted to return to Jerusalem. He had a dream of rebuilding the walls, but his enemies tried to halt his work. And in Nehemiah 4.2 it says, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? By the way, I've seen the remains of Nehemiah's wall in Jerusalem. But the thing that I want to say to you is that there are always people who are going to scrutinize and criticize and pour water on your dreams. If you have a dream that comes from God, understand there's going to be opposition. People scrutinize your dreams. Personal inadequacies sometimes frustrate our dreams. Moses certainly felt inadequate to lead Israel. You know the story when Moses met the Lord there at the burning bush and God said to him, I want you to lead my people out of bondage, Exodus 3:11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Moses said, Lord, who in the world am I to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the Hebrews go? And why should the people pay any attention to me? Who am I to do that? And he felt totally inadequate. Zacchaeus felt inadequate because of his shortness of stature. One day Jesus came by and Zacchaeus wanted to see the Lord. And the Bible says that he was trying to see who Jesus was. He was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. He wanted to see Jesus. He said, I can't see Jesus because I'm too short. And you know the story. He climbed up into the sycamore tree and saw Jesus anyway. Maybe you feel that I have a dream. I believe it's from God. I really believe that God has put this dream in my heart. But I'm inadequate. I'm not going to be able to pull this off. And because you feel inadequate, you feel frustrated. 
Pessimism paralyzes our dreams. Sometimes it is the fear of ridicule. Did you know that Robert Fulton almost gave up on the steamboat because of his fear of ridicule? Sometimes we stop short because we are fearful of ridicule. Sometimes it's because we are fearful of failure and we don't pursue our dream because we're fearful we might not make it. Charles Kettering said, I can take any group of young people any place and teach them to be inventors if I can get them to throw off the hazard of being afraid to fail. How many of your dreams have died because of your fear of failure? I don't expect you to answer that question, but I expect you to think about it. How many of your dreams have you given up on, walked away from, because you were scared you were going to fail? I have five grandchildren. As a result of that, I get to go to a few ball games. And I see sometimes those little kids standing there at the at home plate with the baseball bat and never take a swing. You're standing back there saying, swing! And they just stand there. Why? Because they're scared they're going to fail. They're scared they're going to strike out. And so they just stand there holding the bat and never swing because they're scared they'll strike out. Students, some of you settle for a C when you have the ability to make an A or a B because you're scared of the high standard. In business today, there are a lot of business that will probably go under unnecessarily because we are scared of the economic crises that's before us. Spiritually, there are a lot of Christians today who are so fearful of what lies ahead, they do nothing, they retreat. And all I want to do is to get out of the world when Jesus said we are to be salt and light. But we want to retreat. I was so proud of my son, Eric, recently. We were talking about some of these things. And and we were talking about, you know, what is going on economically, what is going on spiritually, and the challenges that we face and so forth. And he said, there has never been a better time to be the church. I thought, you know what? He's exactly right. If there has ever been a time when it is important that the people of God... Go forward, stand up together, believe the Lord, and respond in faith. It's now. The whole world is about to fall apart. We need to be the one that stands up and leads the people forward. With a smile on our face and faith in God. Our dreams are going to be scrutinized. Your dreams are going to be scrutinized and criticized. You need to understand that there will be opposition to them. Then dreams must be safeguarded. Well, how do, we, how do we guard our dreams? Well, first of all, I think you do so by sharing them. Now, you'll see there in verse number 5, then Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. In verse number 9, now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers. Verse number 10, and he related it to his father and to his brothers. Now, that didn't turn out too good, but he was sharing his dreams. He was telling people what was in his heart. Jesus spent his time in ministry with the disciples, sharing with them the dream, sharing with them the vision. He spent his time sharing his dream. Are you sharing your dreams with anybody? Those are some of my fond memories when uh, Linda and I were newlyweds. And uh, the television broke and we didn't have the money to fix it for about six months. But we would stay up till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning just talking and 
sharing dreams. And we still do. We finally got the TV fixed, so we don't have that as an excuse anymore. But every morning we get up and walk my dog. We just walk around and talk about all about our grandkids, about the church, about all those things. Folks, the, the, the point that I'm, I'm trying to make to you is that if you want to safeguard your dreams, then you need to share with them. Share them with someone. Who are you telling your dreams to? Because it sort of puts you on a hook, doesn't it? That's the reason we don't share them a lot of times, because we don't want to be on a hook. Share your dreams and then expand your dreams. I believe that dreams should grow. I don't believe that they should remain stagnant. I believe that they should grow. Some of you will remember the television program, The Honeymooners. Art Carney played Ed Norton, who was not the sharpest knife in the drawer, if you saw that show. But Ed summed up his philosophy of life this way one time. When the tide of life turns against you and the current upsets your boat, don't waste those tears on what might have been. Just lie on your back and float. Well, you know, that's a nice little ditty, but it doesn't work that way. You, you can't just lie on your back and float whenever the world is falling apart. And so with your dreams, I think that it is important that you grow them. I think it's important that you expand them. Expand your educational dreams. Get all the education that you can. Lon Waters said, school is a building that has four walls with tomorrow inside. Expand your educational dreams. Expand your professional dreams. And you get a job, you ought to have a dream. With, and that's it. Maybe you ought not, but... It could be that you have a dream of owning the company someday. That's a good dream. Not just spending all your life where you are. Spiritual dreams, you ought to expand your spiritual dreams. You see, you, I, 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 I want to know him better. I want to know him better every day. Expand them. And make more than just a dream. See, that I want to know the Lord better. I want to be more like the Lord. And that means then that I have to spend more time in the Word and in prayer and with the people of God and, and acting in faith and all those things. But dreams must be safeguarded. And you safeguard your dream, I think, if you're willing to share them and you're willing to expand them. And then dreams should be sanctified. Now... If the dream is from God, God has sanctified the dream. For instance, Joseph's dream was sanctified because it was from God. Jeremiah's dream was sanctified, set apart, because it was from God. And if your dream is from God, then God has sanctified it, but now then you need to sanctify it. If the dream in your heart has come from God, then you need to set it apart and never give up on that dream. For instance, Joseph never lost his dream. Boy, that's impressive to me. Joseph sold uh, by his brothers into slavery. He was serving Potiphar for a period of time, and his, Potiphar's wife accused him of attempted rape, and so Potiphar had him thrown in prison. Now, that would be discouraging, wouldn't it? And then he became the prime minister of Egypt. And when his brothers came to him... And it was a time of famine. Joseph was able to say, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He never gave up on his dream. His dream was from God, and though he was isolated, though he didn't totally understand it, he never lost sight of it. He always believed in his dream. Though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. I look at the Apostle Paul who pressed on towards the high calling that was in Jesus Christ. He never lost his dream, even to the point of death. 
never lost his dream. Jesus never lost his divine assignment. And there as he faced the cross, he said, for this cause came I to this hour. The Father has placed me here for this hour. That's the reason that I came. Sanctify your dream if it's from God. If the dream that is in your heart has come to you from God, then sanctify it. Set it apart. Don't ever give up on it. Let me conclude with three questions. What are your dreams? Now, if you can't articulate it, you don't have one. What is the dream for your life? Second question, what are your plans? Because you see, your dream always has to be coupled to a plan. If they're going to become reality, then there has to be a plan. What plan is God? If God has given you a dream, then he'll give you a plan. Maybe you don't know that part of it yet. But what's your plan? Third, are you committed? Are you really committed to the dream that God has placed in your heart? Because there's going to be opposition. There's going to be scrutiny. It's going to be difficult. So are you really committed to it? Edward Lindemann wrote, It helps to realize that everything that is now possible was at one time impossible. In every case, someone dared to dream, dared to imagine something a little better, a little different. Be committed to your God-given dreams. What's your dream? You want to have a godly family? Well, folks, let me tell you something. It is just a dream unless you build your life on the Word of God. You know, we, we can say, I, oh, I want, my, I, want, I want to have a godly marriage. I want to have godly children. I want to do all those things. But you had better build your family upon the Word of God and pray for that family daily. Is that your dream? You want a satisfying life? You know, this is one of the serendipities for me, and I'll just say it very quickly. You remember in the New Testament where Jesus turned the water into wine and the man said, well, you have saved the best for last. Remember? I say that about my life. This is the greatest time of my life. This is the most enjoyable time of my life. I mean that sincerely. I love Linda more than I ever have. I love my kids. I love my grandchildren. I love you. I love Columbia. I mean, I really do. This is the greatest time of my life. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that Jesus offers to you an abundant life. And if you build your life on Him, you will find abundance that is only a dream right now. How about your life? Let me encourage you today to make your dream come true. By doing what God leads you to do and never, ever losing that dream. If you're here without Christ today, you need to commit your life to Him. And it could be that the Lord wants you as a member of this church. We'd love to have you. Whatever it is God wants you to do, simply say yes to Him. Our Father, we come to a time of invitation, and we pray, Lord, that you will speak to the hearts of people, especially those who have never come to know Jesus, that they might be saved. Lord, bless this time. Draw people unto yourself, to your will, 
I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir is going to sing. And as they sing, it's an opportunity for you to come to trust the Lord or to join the church. I'll greet you as you come. You come right now.